how do you land prominent dream clients? Today, we explore how this service-based business owner started an online copywriting agency three years ago and has worked with prominent names in the industry. Our guest shares the juicy details of her strategies that have landed her dream clients, including her cold pitching strategy, the one she uses to get on podcasts and work with amazing clients, plus how she leverages results into case studies to amplify her competitive advantage, and how she uses project debriefs not only to serve clients better, but meet a need that naturally increases the lifetime value of the client. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hey, it's Audrey, and welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. Today, we have Amisha, the owner of Copy Crew, with us. Her business provides conversion copywriting services. I'll turn it over to her to tell you a little bit more. Hey, thanks for having me. So I started my copywriting business in 2018. And funnily enough, I was doing it before I called myself a copywriter. Like I had friends like peers who are business coaches who would send me their stuff. This was like in 2016. And I was kind of like, you know, transitioning between being a coach and kind of being a service provider. And I would love looking at their copy and sending them feedback. And I realized a couple of years later that I could get paid to do this. And uh, that's when I was like, put my stake in the ground. And I just told myself like, hey, no more doing other things, all the other things like building funnels and doing Facebook ads. I'm just going to do copywriting. So my agency, the Copy Crew, was born in 2018 and uh, it's 2021 and come a long way since then. So it's been exciting. You had a whole bunch of different offers back in the day and it looks very different now, three years later. Can you share how your service offerings have evolved as a copywriter in a little more detail? Sure. So I started off by offering one-off things really in 2018 because I didn't really have clue of what I was doing. And that's kind of like most businesses, right? You start off offering like one thing and it just kind of grows from there. So my claim to fame was writing sales pages, sales copy for digital courses and online entrepreneurs. And I'm still very much part of that space. So, but that was the only thing I offered. Like I would just write sales pages. I did not have anything. But coming close to around 2020, like last year, was when I first got re- when I first had that realization that I just can't do this one-off thing anymore. And if I'm calling myself a business, I need to do 
diversify my offerings. Like it's great. They're coming for one thing, but then they're leaving, right? <laughs> There's like, uh, it's a short service and I needed to do something more. So I thought about the idea of offering packages and I offered like, you know, multiple packages. I have at least three now, like I've kind of like tweaked and tested some of this. And now I'm proud to say that I have three packages that I'm really proud of. And what that looks like is it's not just a sales page. There is a launch copy package. And then there is there are a couple of variations within that one launch copy package. There is a smaller one and then there's a more premium one. And then there is what I call my, I still have the sales page service, but it's kind of like more beefed up in terms of value and what you're getting. And last but not the least, I have a service that's more of a consultation. It's a it's a sales page auditing service. So it's a productized service. I get prepaid. I don't really talk to the customer when they're setting this up. They go to my website. They pay in advance, answer questions on the intake form. I get all that. And within a week, they have their deliverable uh, with them. And then we do have a follow-up call. So yeah, these are the three packages that are crystal clear and they're very solid. You did the work of figuring out how to extend the life cycle of your clients by offering packages versus one-off projects. And that's essential to growing a business. Let's dive into your packages. Do you have three very different packages or is it that your packages level up with add-ons? Well, I think it's both. So my most premium package, it's a launch copywriting service package where it's the whole shebang. Like I am, it's a very, it's a high ticket offer, if you'd like to call it that. And I am very deeply involved with my client and their team. I take on everything that they're, you know, when it comes to their funnel. So whether it's writing that first Facebook ad and, and it's, you know, right down to like writing the copy for their last closing card email. But the other thing that I offer that I think also sets me apart from my competitors, or if you will, is like I have a uh, optimization process, which is a little service that, you know, after we're done working, like say I finish writing their launch copy, I let the client know like, hey, I'm going to come back in a couple of months and we can do a launch debrief. A and B, let's look at opportunities where we can optimize your launch. So if you're relaunching, these are the things that we can tweak because we've already learned these lessons. And they find that so valuable. Like, hey, it's not just like she wrote the copy and she ran, <laughs> basically, like, you know, one and it's done and I never see her again. But she comes back, I check in with them in a couple of months and I optimize the funnel and I tell them this is what you can do to improve it. And then, you know, I'm there with them kind of when they relaunch it just to see if those suggestions kind of uh, pan out, so to speak. So. I want to talk about the launch debrief for a second. I think that the launch debrief is so smart because it provides value to the client because what you're saying is I'm going to come back and make sure it's optimized. And then on the other side, it allows for a conversation for additional retained work. And so I want to plug into how you came up with the idea of providing a launch debrief. I don't know. I just... I wouldn't say, I don't know. I it, it didn't occur to me instantly. I'll just tell you that. It was more for me like, hey, I'm just going to do this launch package. I'm going to give write all the amazing copy for them. I'm going to be there with them, do their market research, and that's it. But I think it's the amount of time I've spent in the online space as well. Like, you know, I hear so many horror stories like where the copy may or may not have worked, right? And the client was like left kind of stranded, like, hey, I don't know. I just had a sort of an okay launch and I don't know what to do with this. And then I found that opportunity. It may not even be with me as their copywriter. It could be someone else who worked on that launch. And 
you know, they had these like mediocre results and I would hear these stories and I'll be like, huh, you know, these people, their copywriter or whoever did the service, they didn't come back and check in with them to see what they could do to improve in the next round. And I think there's that opportunity. Like, what if I can be that copywriter who not only writes your launch copy and is with you through the entire launching process, but comes back and checks in the day you close cart, how did everything go? Let's schedule a debrief call, like in a month, or, you know, when, you know, because launches are very intense, right? The, the creator, the, the entrepreneur needs to step away from it for a while. So they want to kind of like disengage from that entire process. So the day they close their cards is the day I check in with them. Like, let's schedule a debrief call, like in a month or two. Let's talk about what worked, what did not work, and how we can optimize your funnel to come back. Keywords you said there is what didn't work. I think the mark of a amazing service provider is someone who is not afraid to take a look at what doesn't work. And I think that's where a ton of opportunity lives. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a couple of clients when I started offering this, they came back like, wow, you'll do that? That's amazing. And then, you know, I would get an uh, email like, that is so thorough. Like, you're the most, one of the most thorough service providers out there. Like, you knew that. I had a cart close on this day. You came back, you checked in with me and you're willing to kind of go through the entire thing, what worked, what didn't work. And I'm willing to also be that person, that service provider, like, hey, not everything I write may have worked. I'm okay owning that. Like, let's look at what did not work and what I can do to improve, right? Because I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers and nor does the client. It's kind of like one of those things. And I think it's a thing that we use in marketing and the funnel building online world. Like, always be testing. We don't know. We can always just try. So you mentioned that you started copywriting services in 2018. What were you doing before then? Oh my gosh. Well, I started in the online space in 2016. And like I said, I was not a copywriter. I had no idea what I was doing before I started in the digital world, digital space to make a buck, let's to so to speak. I had another business and I wouldn't say that it was an online business, but it was not a local brick and mortar store either. It was more of an international business where I would export American food products and travel to these exotic locations and participate in trade shows. And funnily enough, and I don't know how all the dots connect, but a lot of the skills that I use to like talk and market and converse with, you know, potential buyers, that kind of helped me even when I am on with calls, like on a Zoom call with a prospect who's interested in working with me. And I have no problem like showing up on Zoom, kind of like explaining the process and closing. Like I have a high close rate, so I'm very proud of that. I'm not perfect. Like I said, I always have to improve, but it does not scare me to do that. But yeah, that's how I started. I had that exporting business. I started that in 2008. Uh, 2016, I gave birth to my little girl. And at that time, I was kind of like wiped out with all the traveling and the overseas. And I knew that I had to cut out. And to be frank, to be very honest with you, I was missing the creative nudge that I kind of thought that the online space would have for me. Like I always had one eye in the digital world, like what's going on and can I be a part of this? And like, I, I don't want to like do what I'm doing. And so 2016, I you know, ventured in the online area and I looked at what else I could do with what I knew. And I kind of stumbled and a lot of trial and error. I thought I could do business coaching or do group coaching and like kind of teach people how to market in Facebook groups. But honestly, none of those things really lit me up. So it was a lot of trial and error. And then I finally found my calling or whatever, like, hey, I have a way with words spoken or written 
I can do this. Let's just give this a shot. And it's kind of stuck since then. So that's the beauty of the online world is that anyone can enter it and anyone can offer a service. And it sounds like that's what you did in 2016. It was exploration in 2016 in terms of where your giftings really were in the online world. And then you found copywriting and, you know, it's been a number of years now since you've been doing this. And that leads me to ask, in 2018, when you started copywriting, you most likely were pricing what you were doing very different than what it looks now. Can can you walk us through like what your pricing looked like in 2018? And let's talk about the evolution of that. Oh my gosh, like (laughs) vulnerable moment here. So when I started offering sales pages in 2018, um, I think, gosh, the price for a sales page at the time was like a thousand bucks. Thousand bucks and I'll write your copy. (laughs) That was my thing. And uh, 2019, I kind of went a little higher. I started offering it for 2,500. But see, that was the problem. I was selling it as just one thing. Like, hey, I'll write your sales page copy for 2,500. There was no sexiness attached to it. There was no value. Like what else? Like, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff. Like until I joined a copywriting uh, incubator, so to speak, where I learned all this. And then 2020 and up to this point, now I have a sales page package. Like it's a package. It's not, hey, here's your sales page in a Google Doc. The package is I'll do your market research. So there is market research deliverables. And the thing is, my clients love it when I do this because they hardly... They may have this in place, but they don't do it on a consistent basis, like talk to their clients and customers and interview them. So if someone comes in and tells them that, hey, I'll do this for you, they love it. I've never had pushback. So the the sales page package is like, there'll be market research, there'll be copy, there'll be professional editing, there'll be a wireframe so they know what it looks like. So all of that sounds really sexy. They're like, huh, now that's a package. And that is priced at 5K. There's a phenomenon in the online space where you have a lot of people talking about raising rates. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for increasing your prices to match value. Value is sexy. How did you decide to approach your pricing? Again, there was a little bit of trial and error there. So, And of course, it's understanding your customers. So the specific niche that I'm in, I write launch copy. And I know what goes into a launch copy, like how much of copy is required. Like, you know, what are the deliverables? There's obviously more than a sales page. There's a landing page. There's a thank you page. There's tons of emails and there's Facebook ad copy. So knowing what they needed, I knew my customer journey very well. What was that journey that looked like for them? Like how much of copy they need in a typical launch funnel? So I had that listed. And then I knew in order to do my best work, what do I need? to write that copy was obviously market research, which is a non-negotiable for me. And I always educate my clients like, I need to do my research because if I have to understand your niche, then I need to understand what it is. So that's, that's that. Then I have to research their products. So I let them know that the market research is not just your market. It's also understanding your product. So I do take the time to kind of like go through the digital course. I have gone through a lot of digital courses this way. And I'm like, I know too much already now. So there's that. And, uh, there's then obviously the need for optimization that I noticed that is kind of like missing in our space. Like, you know, you write the copy and you're gone, but there is so much that you can learn from the lessons that the launch 
you know, the, the launch lessons and kind of like use those and kind of give your clients that valuable deliverable. This is where we went wrong. This is what we should fix. And this is what you could test. So, you know, they have that. So yeah, it's really understanding the customer journey. Adding all these different layers into your packages takes time. It takes manpower. It takes service delivery. And I'm sure that, you know, as you take on more clients, there's less time to do all the things. Can you share and tell us a bit more about how you're growing your team to accommodate uh, the packages that you have now and also the growth of your business? Yeah, sure. So you're right. I can't do it all anymore. It's a lot. It's very intensive, time consuming. I have someone who comes in to do the market research for me. I don't do the market research anymore. So that's a huge thing off my plate because in my world, market research is the bulk of the copywriting process. If I can take that or delegate that to someone, that is great. So I have a copywriter who's a peer. She's amazing that I work with and she's very well versed in asking the right questions. She's really great as an interviewer and she's better than even me. And I always think like, you know, hire people who are better than you, who can do things and take things off your plate. I have like no ego problems. She's an amazing copywriter in her own right. So she comes on board. She does my market research interviews. She puts together what the big idea of the campaign is. So I even know like, okay, what's unique about this campaign? I don't know. She's figured it out. So that makes my job very easy. And while she's doing all of that, the only thing I need to do is show up for my client because that's where uh, I hold that space sacred between the client and me. I get on the phone, I mean, on Zoom call with my client and kind of like understand who they are as people. While my market research is already getting done, so I don't have to worry about collecting that data. And then both these things come together. I still do all of the writing in my business. Like I'm kind of, I haven't got junior copywriters on my team or anything. I have a designer who's a subcontractor. She designs the funnel. Typically our clients are also like, you know, they're time starved. So they're like, hey, if you do design, can you do design for me? Like, yeah, sure. We work on Kajabi. We've worked on ClickFunnels. So we are aware of these different platforms. My designer is definitely, and she's a subcontractor. She comes in and does the design. Uh, We have a market research person. I write the copy and I do have a VA who keeps everybody sane, so to speak. Did you know that I have a free team growth roadmap? Imagine if you didn't spend all day, every day in the weeds of running your business. That can mean more flexibility, more freedom, less overwhelm. I created the team growth roadmap to help my clients gain direction on the strategic systems and leadership actions for a streamlined business and a self-managing team to grow your business. Inside the roadmap, I share my compass method, an acronym for each step of the roadmap to get you out of the weeds of running your business and help you have a small but mighty team that gives you more freedom and flexibility. You can get all the details over at AudreyJoyQuan.com. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. When we increase the value of our services and solve more of our clients' problems, the type of clients we serve changes over time. The kind of client you helped in 2018 more than likely looks different than it does today. It's the byproduct of up-leveling your services and up-leveling your team. Tell us about how your clients have changed over the years. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. So I will definitely, with my price point and the resources I bring, I am not looking for DIYers who are DIYers DIYing their launch. And I feel like if you are DIYing your launch, you should be writing your own copy. As a copywriter, I'm going to give you that service. Don't hire me because I'm too expensive. I am an asset to the CEO or the client, the boss who ha- who is running a six, multi-six, seven-figure, even eight-figure business, and they are the visionaries. They don't have time to get in the weeds of market research and writing their copy and setting up their email automations. They don't do any of that. They rely, they are ready to hire the best of the best and take that off their plate. So that's who my ideal client is. These are, and, and this year, even more than last year, this year definitely proved that because I kind of doubled my prices from last year. And the kind of clients that I'm attracting who are working with me are of that caliber. They're ready to invest five figures. They're not batting an eyelid. They're like, yes, take my money and just take this off my plate. That's that's how they're coming. What other things have you been doing to attract higher paying clients? Sure. So with every success that I had, which would result into a very into a six-figure launch or a multi-six-figure launch, I would get a case study written immediately. (laughs) I would hire it out, write a case study, and I would splash that on my website. I would use that in my marketing. And I would get on podcasts like these where I can like, you know, talk about my expertise. I even would do guest appearances and other people's masterminds and high level ticket offer coaching programs where I showed myself as an expert and as the authority. And I would kind of like, you know, um, put that into my marketing, which my marketing right now is just really social media. And uh, I do have an email list because uh, I, even as a service provider, I know the importance of having an email list. And uh, networking with the right people. A lot of the people that who come to me are through referrals. Uh, I belong to a high ticket mastermind myself. It's a really good mastermind where I've found such clients as well. And I've done really good work with them. And then they refer other people my way. And the other strategy that's working for me is because of these results that have been compounding and, you know, stacking up, I've had the, I don't have any awkwardness going after a dream client. Like this year, I've sent out cold pitches to clients who I only thought were dream clients. And I, two years ago, if you told me that I was working with them, I'd be like, are you nuts? No, (laughs) it's not going to happen. But this year I did pitch them. It was a cold pitch. It's, and I'm a copywriter, so I should know how to write these, right? So yeah. Let's talk about cold pitching. I think so many people are like, no, (laughs) cold pitching. I don't want to do that. But you're saying that these have worked for you. So can you share more about how you cold pitch someone? Uh, sure. Like, let me give you some like uh, particulars. So the way I get a lot of my insights, my education, and who's doing what in this online world, you know, following businesses is through podcasts. So podcasts like yours, podcasts like, you know, other people that I listen to, like Rick Mulready, Rachel Rogers, obviously Amy Porterfields of the world. So these are like popular podcasts that I listen to. And they sometimes, very often, feature guest experts and or their, you know, client, their own clients, their own students in their high ticket mentoring programs. So sometimes I listen to these and they've interviewed someone that I, I fall in love with when I hear them (laughs) and I'm like, oh, and I stock them a little on their website and I stack them on socials. And I'm like, wow, they're really doing something. Like I like their messaging. I like the values. I like what they, 
are sharing. And I'm like, okay. And if I like them, then I will stalk and kind of like dig a little bit more about them. And then comes the pitch. So it's not like, hey, I want to work with you, whatever, because I think you're, you know, I saw, I saw your website and this is what you're doing wrong. That's totally the wrong way to do it. <laughs> it's like, I, I make it relevant. Like, hey, I heard you. And this, at this minute in the podcast, you said something like this that blew my mind. Could be something like that, right? Make it about them, flatter them, and tell them like why are you interested. Like, you know, and kind of like in and in the pitch, you say, like, I love this. I love that you're doing this, and congratulations on this. And I'm just wondering that, you know, I saw all of this on your website, like, you know, these are other funnels or these are other programs. And I noticed that these are, you know, they don't really have a sales page or they don't have this email sequence because I signed up for it and I didn't get this. Is that deliberate? Is that something that you're working on? I would love to do it. This I would love to do this for you because this is what I do. And then I don't pitch them how I'm going to do it. I just tell them what I do and this is what I do for a living. <laughs> and if this is a conversation that they'd like to explore a little further, I would love to chat with them. That's it. And I've not every pitch has worked, of course. And then I would be a unicorn, right? Or you'd have to put me in a witness protection program. <laughs> but but um, some of them have, and they've got some, they brought in some incredible clients that I've been very honored to work with. Amisha, that is so good. Thank you for sharing your secret. Cause that's, I think, I think there's so much goodness in what you just said there and how you approach dream clients. And it's not, it's not you sent out a random email to them asking, hey, do, do you need help? Because no one wants to reply to those. Okay. But you've really outlined a, like a process that shows how you build intentional relationships and cold outreaches. And it starts by you exploring the things that you love. For example, you're listening to a podcast that you love. You hear someone on there and then, you know, you, you start the, I think you called it stalking, Mild but stalking, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I call it research, right. To see if there's like a character fit, a value fit. Right. And also if there's something going on that does require your help. I think there's so much goodness in that. I think there's such a big takeaway for people listening to that and how they could connect with people who they really want to work with. There's a couple of things that you've mentioned in terms of your marketing that you're currently doing right now. Cold outreach being one of them that we just talked about. It sounds like you're fully organic right now. So that means that you're not doing any paid ads or anything that really your focus is about building relationships. Yes, it totally is. The referrals I get, the cold pitches I get, it's all referral based right now. And uh, I know there are so many stories like, hey, this is not going to last. It doesn't work. But I think the more you show up, the more you kind of like are intentionally building those relationships and putting yourself out there. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. I think in our online world, there is an attitude about a business based on referrals. And oftentimes, it's like you said, there's the attitude of, oh, well, referrals aren't sustainable. And uh, by that, what it means is that you can't measure how many referrals are going to come in, right? I think that's what right. most people mean when they say that referrals are sustainable. I've got to say that I think a business that is built on referrals means that a business does great work. So when I hear that a business has uh, a marketing strategy that emphasizes referrals and is keen on making sure that the referral is strong, it gets me excited because it means that that business is doing something great. They're doing something right. So in your experience and in your business, I should say, how are you nurturing referrals? That's great. I currently get leads from a couple of uh, places. Um, these are, so here's how I look at it. Like, yes, you can tap into your own copywriting community. Like, Hey, do you have 
overflow going on? Can I take some of your work? And then, you know, do you have a referral fee that I need to pay you? So I, I'm very upfront and I do ask these things. Uh, the other audiences that I make gr- that make great referral partners for me are Facebook ad agency owners, right? Because, you know, it's th- these are like, you know, Facebook ads, launch copy, these go like hand in hand. It's like one of those processes. It's like one ecosystem, so to speak, kind of like they overlap. And so I always, I have a couple of people that who are in my mastermind, I have great relationships with them. And I'm like, hey, if um, uh, if I know somebody who needs ad work, I send them to them. And whatever the referral fee is, like every Facebook ad agency does have their referral fee, right? Or if they send me, they're, they're very upfront about it. Like, uh, we'd like to send someone your way. And uh, that's how I have cultivated these relationships. Often other times, it's kind of like just sending a thank you gift. It doesn't really have to be money. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, send them a nice thank you gift, like, hey, thank you for thinking of me. And I, I've had people who are my peers, mastermind, otherwise who know me, and they just, uh, they just think of me and they just like, hey, I just thought that this would be someone great to work with. And I just send them your way. And sometimes it's like, you know, thank you for thinking of me. And yeah, it's just as simple as that. So the highest compliment that someone can give me is referring a friend. You're not likely to tell a friend about someone unless there is some sort of credibility established. For that reason, referrals carry a ton of weight. People refer when they have trust. And speaking of trust, I want to shift the conversation to case studies. In the online world, we see testimonials as a must, but I see so much value in case studies. And so that's why I haven't used them on my own website. I know you're a fan too. Share more about how you use case studies as a marketing tool. Yeah. So I, like you, I prefer case studies to a testimonial because again, case study tells, reveals everything that you did. It reveals about your process. It reveals about the experience of working with you, hiring you, and all of this goodness is listed in that. So they work great for me as a marketing tool. Back when I used to use proposals to send to clients, I don't send proposals anymore. That's another thing we should talk about, baby. I stopped sending proposals. I would link to my case studies. And uh, they would read these and they, they were very impressive. And I got them like designed and everything. And here's another tip. I don't write my own case studies. I hired this out because when you, because you're so close to your own stuff, you're not going to like pull out the goodness, right? But when you hire it out to a neutral party, they're going to do like everything to kind of like make you look outstanding. We, we're not our best judges. Let's say we're just our best critics. So it's best to hire this out and uh, get it done professionally designed and everything. I don't look at any of that. So I just know that it looks pretty. It has nice things about me and it's on my website and it's a great marketing tool to use when I am prospecting, whether it was via proposals at one point or now because I do a lot of my sales calls on Zoom, I just say like, hey, you know, if you want to work with me and if you want to consider this, I'm going to just send you a link to my proposals. So, I mean, a link to my case studies. So your case studies are an integral part of your sales process. So here's what it, how it works. They fill out an intake form on my website. It's kind of like a pre-vetted thing. There are three things I ask them very importantly. A, this is a five-figure investment, it's if, especially if they're reaching out for a launch copy package. I let them know that up front, not the exact number, but I let them know this is the ballpark investment. This is a launch copy package. It's going to take at least eight weeks for me to write everything. So if you want launch copy tomorrow... We ain't going to work together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but anyway, these are two most important things. And if they are like a yes and a yes, then we talk. It's a 15, 20 minute conversation. And if I feel it's a good fit, I will go and say like, okay, this is my process. I really take them through the process. You'll be amazed. Like, you know, they 
clients want to feel that they're in good hands. The more you talk about your process, like how you're going to do things, the more they're inclined to work with you and say yes. I have found this in every one of my sales conversations. So I take them through the process and I said, this is what you're going to get. These are my case studies. This is what are the results and uh, how we can, how can we move forward? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more when prospects have clarity on how you will lead them to the results. And of course, we're not talking about the nitty gritty details. We're talking about identifying the high level steps for them, sharing the high level process and backing it up with your case studies. It sets you up for a competitive advantage. For sure. Amisha, thank you so much for sharing all the goodness today on the podcast. Before we wrap up here, I want to ask you what keeps you inspired and at your best. What keeps me inspired? Oh, so many things. I think my children inspire me the most. I mean, I really, uh, they're my compelling reason of why I do what I do. And I learned so much from them and they just inspire me to go, you know, go for it. Like there are days when you get up and you feel like crap, you're like, oh, this is not working. I should just burn everything and quit. But when I see them, right, it's like, oh my gosh, they inspire me to do so much more because they're doing so much, uh, you know, so yeah, they're, they're my compelling reason. The other things other than my kids, I think it's really, I don't know, it's just being out in the nature, hanging out with the right people. Like I think you're, what is it? The tribe, your tribe attracts your vibe sort of a thing. And you're kind of like the sum of the five people you hang out with. So I think when I need to feel high vibe and high energy, I want to like attract and I want to like connect and network with people in that same space. So I look to people who are doing hard things, the harder things they're doing in their business. And if they're having sucky moments, but they are getting up and going after it the next day, I want to be with those people. <laughs> so they inspire me to like, you know, kick butt. You couldn't have said that better. Being in conversation with people who are doing difficult things, seeing them wake up and do it over and over again, even when it's hard, that puts things into perspective. Yeah. Like, uh, like I was telling you, the mastermind that belong, we have this amazing eight-figure entrepreneur, and she's having a very tough time in her business right now. It's one of those, you know, we go through seasons, right? And she, the the struggles, personal, professional that she's facing, I'm like, my gosh, if she is showing up every day and kicking butt and getting determined to get through this, then what's my excuse? So just put things into perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Amisha, where can people find you if they're looking for you? Well, you can go to my website, thecopycrew.com, and my social water cooler of choice is, the virtual water cooler is Instagram. It's by the same handle, The Copy Crew. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan. 